Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love. I am here with Pastor J.D. Greer, and I teased this last time, but we have a great question today that is about, uh, we've kind of, these last two questions have been about maybe things, when you read the Bible, you get to certain stories and you're like, what do I do with this story? Because it doesn't fit maybe the kind of fluffy, easy interpretation, right? We talked about men of faith um, doing things, you know, last week that didn't seem like it fits with that. What does that look like? And today we have another question. It's kind of in the same vein. Um, and it's, why does God seem so cruel in some parts of the Bible? So, Pastor J.D., what do you think? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. And I always joke that if there are five questions, I know I'm going to be asked on a college campus. This is one of the five. Yeah. Something to do with the Old Testament and how do you believe in a God that— you know, does the kind of things that you see in the Old Testament. He sometimes seems like a moral monster, smiting people and wiping them out. And um, I don't want to give one general answer to all of them. I, I've, we've done episodes like that where we do it before, because a lot of times you have to press into the individual passage itself and find within it the clues that that kind of show you that the same God that we find in Jesus, the merciful God, the, the one who's willing to die on the cross for us, the one of compassion, the one who loves children, that's the same God of the Old Testament. Sometimes people think, you know, Old Testament God is like God in his his middle school years when he's cranky and then he, you know, he basically gets saved and comes back as Jesus as loving and gentle. But um, what Jesus said was far different. He said that the Old Testament God, that that is best known in Jesus, and, and they really are the same. Mm. So what do you do? Let's just take one of them, one that I've been going through recently uh, that I thought was helpful. Um, and that is, you know, David commits this sin in 2 Samuel 24 where he he, he counts the people. Um, and God had told him not to do that, and David does it. And because of that, God sends a plague where 70,000 people die. And you look at that and you're like, what kind of God is this? That in response to something that wasn't really even that bad, he just counted the people, that, that he then you know, strikes down 70,000 innocent people. Um, what I'm not going to do is tell you why the sin was actually pretty bad, just the sin of David. There are reasons for that you can, can learn about in your study Bible. What I want to focus on is the question of 70,000 people die for it's not even really their sin. So what do we, you know, what do we do with that? A few things here. Again, if you want to look at your Bible, just look at 2 Samuel 24 and you can you can actually follow along with it. Um, the passage makes clear God was angry with the sin of Israel and David was just his instrument for letting punishment come to Israel. What that means is that these weren't all innocent people. And in a, in a bigger sense, that's the true of the entire human race is that all of us, um, we're not guilty of every sin, but all of us are guilty of enough sin that we stand under, under God's condemnation. One time in the New Testament, there was this tower that fell on the, these Jewish people and, and, and the disciples asked Jesus, were, were these like just the most wicked people in Israel? And, and uh, you know, God saw them all together at one time and he's like, there's my chance. And he caused the tower to fall on them. And Jesus said, no, that's not true. He said, in fact, he said, truly, truly, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Which means the question is not, why did these 18 people die, Jesus said. The question is, why are any of us still living today? And that's that's kind of at work here is that that whatever God is doing in the human race is in one sense, it's it's justified. You say, yeah, but not but but surely not every one of those 70,000 were equally guilty. Maybe there were because it was a plague that God had sent onto the um the people. I mean, I'm sure there there might have been children involved. Uh, and that leads us to the second part of the answer. Um, others are not held guilty for our sins, but but the Bible teaches our sins do have an effect on others. I mean, we all know that, right? If you got a, a, a father who is an alcoholic, then the kids suffer. Kids didn't do anything wrong, but they suffer for it. If if one marriage partner sins, then 
then both the other spouse and the kids suffer for their sinful choices. And so there's constant things throughout the Bible that just remind you that our sin affects people. And when it's the sin of a leader like David, well, then, yes, people suffer. Okay. Um, and, and innocent people you know, suffer for my mistakes as a father and as a pastor, and it's it raises the level of leadership. You say, well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, these 70,000 people, they didn't just experience some negative effects of David's leadership. They died. And that is just so ultimate and so final. Um, and this is the part that's hard to understand, but it was really liberating for me when I when I finally got my head around it. In the Bible's perspective, physical death is not ultimate in terms of judgment. I mean, think about it. Every single person in the story of David and the counting of the people and the plague, every one of those people, all of them are dead right now. David, Samuel, the most righteous people, all of them. Everybody dies. These people just died early. God collected them early to, to make a point to keep Israel from becoming more wicked and to kind of like rebuke them for their pride of counting their army. He he collected, to use Tim Keller's phrase, he collected those people early. He collects a few people early for the sake of many people's eternities. That is hardly immoral. From an eternal perspective, physical death is not the ultimate judgment. Eternal life or eternal death, that's the ultimate judgment or the ultimate reward. And what the innocent ones of those 70,000 people experienced in their first five minutes after they died, first five minutes in eternity, that more than made up for any of the pain or the inconvenience that they experienced on earth or their death. So you gotta have an eternal perspective about this stuff. You gotta realize that death looks big to us, but in light of eternity, it's it's not that big and, and ultimate justice comes in either heavenly reward or it comes in, in eternal punishment. And, and that's the last part of our answer is even something like this, God uses for good. He uses as a way of bringing Christ into the world, about of producing Christ in us. He, he promises that he does that for all those that he loves. The children of Israel at this point in their history are, were becoming violent and aggressive. They were becoming oppressive. And so God interrupts them to, to do something good in Israel to keep them from that. He collects a few people early, to quote Tim Keller, for the sake of many people's eternities, and that is not immoral. That's good. So again, when we come to passages like this, it's just, it's just important to consider the full context of what the whole Bible is teaching and specific clues in each of the stories like this one that'll show you that, like the, the psalmist says, God's justice is like the ocean. You can never get to the bottom of it. And the one thing none of us will ever say when we get into eternity is that, is that God was wrong or, or we were more just than he was. The song of Moses that we'll be singing throughout eternity, it, it begins by saying, God, all your ways are just and righteous and true altogether. And that's something that we'll find, even if we don't understand it now, it's something that we will believe and hold together in eternity. All right. Thank you so much. That was really good. Again, tough questions. We want to read the Bible well. We want to understand how to engage with certain things in the Word. And so, J.D., this was super helpful just for us to understand what, how do we engage with God and His character even in difficult parts of the Word. So thank you so much for that. We uh, would love to see you back here next week on the podcast. In the meantime, if you want more from Pastor JD, you should go to jdgreer.com because he's got articles and podcasts and resources and books and all sorts of things at jdgreer.com. It is a great place to find any content you might ever want from Pastor JD. So if you like the answer to this question and you're just wondering what JD has to say about other things, that would be an unbelievable place to go. So we'd encourage you to do that. And we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything.